Okay, now let's get to the good stuff. Let's You're get the to the worst. juice, baby. You're the worst for that. <laughs> you took me to a dark place. You're not the first to tell me that, so I have to agree you, with you. You took me to a dark place. I'm gonna bring you down, I'm gonna lift you up. <laughs> Hey, when was the last time you seriously considered your dreams? I mean, come on, you used to think about them all the time. What happened? I say it's time that you and your dreams got back together. I mean, think about it. You could live the van life in a totally customized Mercedes-Benz Sprinter. You could tour all 423 national parks, build a mountain cabin with your dad, or even start up your own business. Really, whatever you want to dream up. And it's a Mercedes-Benz van we're talking about here, kids. So expect innovative safety features like crosswind assist and blind spot assist. Expect amazing performance and reliability with an MBUX voice command system, a five-star dealer network, and an available gas engine. It runs like, well, a dream. So what do you say? Head to the Mercedes-Benz dealership and get that Sprinter van. Tell them your dream sent you. Hey guys, what's up? Trey Wingo here. Welcome into another episode of Half Forgotten History Season 5. As you know by now, season five brought to you by my good friends at Mercedes-Benz Sprinter Vans. They help dreams become a reality much in the same way so many of the athletes I talked to saw their dreams come true. Mercedes-Benz Sprinter Vans have helped a lot of my dreams come true. I mean, I can fit as many foursomes as I want into that thing to take everybody to the course, to the tailgate, or just to get people out of the house. Look, whatever your dreams are, Mercedes-Benz Sprinter Vans can help bring them to life. This week's guest is quite a character. That's not quite right. This week's guest is a lot of characters all rolled up to one person who's actually quite a character. He just wanted to be a football player and somehow he turned into an actor, a comedian, and a TV host. I hate people that are that talented because I'm not that talented. But I do love this week's guest. None other than former defensive tackle and now the star of everything he touches, Anthony Spice Adams. We need to start here, Spice, because I went to your Wikipedia page. I want to read uh -oh. you the top line of your Wikipedia page. It says, Anthony Spice Adams is an American television host, actor, and comedian, and formal football defensive tackle. When during <laughs> two-a-days in San Francisco or Chicago or at Penn State did you think, yeah, I'll probably be uh, known as a, as a television host and a comedian more than a football player? <laughs> That's a testament to the work I've done after football, so I love it. I love it. It's, it's a lot of people who uh, sometimes on Instagram or, or Twitter or something like that, I'll post a, a throwback picture of me in a San Francisco 49er uniform or me with a Bears uniform on. They'd be like, wow, your Photoshop game is getting very good. It's like, no, dude, I used to play, man. So uh, it's just, I, I love it, man. It's a testament to the work that I'm doing now, man. And it's, it's awesome. It's an awesome feeling. We'll get into that in a minute because it is a fascinating turn. Uh, you know, and I'm always happy when guys find a different calling after they play because so many guys invest everything into playing and it yep. always ends sooner than you think and they're mm -hmm. sort of stuck with, well, now what? And we'll, we'll get into all of that in a minute, but I want to go back to the beginning for you. Like, when did you fall in love with football? Or did you fall in love with football? Or was it just something that you, you thought you could do? I fell in love with it when my mom made me play. I, uh, Your mom made of, you play? Yeah. And so uh, usually moms don't want anything to do with their sons playing football. Yeah. I mean, you can get hurt. You don't know what's going on under the piles. Like my aunt was the absolute worst 
at these games. Like every time there was a tackle or a pilot, get off my nephew. Ah, like she didn't understand. Like this is what we do. Like there's always going to be a scrum and nobody's trying to hurt me. It's like, so we had to explain that to her all the time. And then we just came up with the conclusion that she can't be invited to any of the games. But my mom, um, <laughs> I, I grew up in Detroit. And so the top three high schools in Detroit, Cass King and Renaissance. I wanted to go to Martin Luther King. And so um, after I passed this test, my mom was like, okay, cool. Now you're going to play football. And I'm like, Ma, I, I want to play basketball. Because in my neighborhood, it was all about the Detroit Pistons, the bad boys. So right. that's all we did was Isaiah play basketball. Thomas, Joe Dumars, Isaiah Thomas, yeah. uh, Sally, uh, Vinny Johnson. Johnson, everybody. Buddha Edwards, everybody. I knew everybody. And so um, my mom was like, no, you're going to play football. So one day, I had on some jean shorts, Trey, and like, I, I don't know, like some K-Swiss or something. And uh, my mom was like, get in the car. And I was like, oh, man, what did I do? I don't know. It was like a very awkward ride. So we get to the practice, and my mom says, go introduce yourself to that coach. And I'm like, what? I get out the car, and I'm trying to, like, figure out, like, who she's talking about. And I'm like, him? And I turn around. Skirt! My mom leaves. Like, the door is still open, but the force of her, like, <laughs> leaving closed the door. She just pushed you out? She just kicked you out of the car? Basically and said, introduce yourself to that coach. So I, I go over there, I say hi to the coach. He says, <laughs> he wears these big old glasses. God rest his soul, James Reynolds, is a, he's a legend in Michigan. He adjusts his glasses like this. He says, run a lap and walk a lap. So I did that and then, you know, everybody got together after that doing jumping jacks and push-ups. And I was like, oh man, I love this. And so that's when I love the game of football because I'm only child. So being around all the guys, it made me feel like this is a family. And so I didn't want to let them down, so I always gave my, my best effort. I didn't know what a guard was. They told me to line up at guard. True story. I said point guard or shooting guard. All I knew was <laughs> what they coached me to do. They told me to coach. Yeah. They, they, they told me to block to the whistle. I blocked to the echo of the whistle. I did everything 100% to the point where I got a scholarship to go to Penn State. I didn't I didn't know anything about football. All I knew was yeah. if you told me to run through a brick wall and how to do it, I was going to do it to the best of my ability. Okay, how old were you when this happened? I was 14. And Never played a lick of football. How tall were you? I've I've been this same size and height wow. since I was yeah. 12, Trey. So 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 you knew like if you were that way at 12 and you hadn't grown to 14, you had to think yeah, hoops is probably not going to be in my future. Right. And then um, when I was on the JV basketball team, people, I thought people were flopping. Like when I was going to the hole strong or when I got a rebound, I thought when the kids slid under the bleachers that they were flopping. They were trying to get the foul call. But it was actually, I was just that strong. And I, I didn't know my own strength. And I'm just like, I'm getting down on myself. Like, man, why do I keep fouling out all of these games? But I was like, I was a man's size when I was 12. And when I turned 14, I, I kept getting stronger and stronger and stronger. And I, I, I used to think that these kids were flopping. They weren't flopping, Trey. And yeah, so I was just like, maybe, maybe I'm geared for football. Okay, so clearly contact was not an issue. So you, you, you get <laughs> oh, into football and, and you not start playing. All. 
when did someone say to you, as you just alluded to, hey, you might be able to play this in college? What, when did that start becoming a reality in your mind? Well, there was a senior on the team. His name was Anthony also. That's how I got my nickname, Spice, because it was just so many Anthonys on the team. I think I made the seventh Anthony. So they was like, hey, we got to come up with a nickname. We can't have seven Anthonys. So, but anyways, he was a senior on the team and he was getting recruited by Penn State. I was a, I was on my way to becoming a, a sophomore that year. And so he asked me if I wanted to go to the Penn State camp. And I'm like, what? The senior who is the leader on it, he's the team captain. He asked me to go to the Pennsylvania State University camp. I don't, I still don't know anything about football. Like, I don't know who the coach is. I don't know who the assistant coaches is. All I know was that my man Ant, Big Ant, who plays on the offensive line, he asked me to go to this football camp. So I tell my mom, I say, Ma, guess what? You know the captain on the team, Anthony? He asked me to go to the camp with him because he saw something in me to ask me to go to this camp. And my mom was like, ooh, how much is this camp? And the camp was like $280 at the time. So my mom's yeah. is going through uh, all of the, the couch cushions and scraping up trying to get this money. She got enough money for me to go to the camp. And Trey, when I tell you, I turned this camp out. And I didn't even know it. I was just, just being me, just doing everything 100%. Right. They told me to go half speed or act like I didn't hear everything. Boom, boom. I was the first one for every drill. I always stayed after and said, hey, I need more work. I need more work. And they wouldn't let me leave the camp without offering me a scholarship. So when you were a sophomore, they offered you a scholarship. Yep. Wow. Yep. So were you were you locked in at Penn State at that point? Did you even consider other schools? Or at that point, were you like, I got two years to play here and you're offering me, I'm good? No, I was, I was locked in 100%. I didn't take all of my visits that I was supposed to take because once Penn State started recruiting me, then that's when everybody started recruiting me. And I, I didn't understand it. And I would get the letters and, you know, uh, say, hey, this team wants me to come out to their school. And I'm like, I don't want to lead these teams on. Like, I want to go to Penn State. And so that's, 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 that's basically it. I never really gave any other schools a chance. And what's funny is I'm uh, Braylon Edwards went to my high school. And so sure. I'm yeah. real cool with him and his family and everything. And one time I went up to Michigan to see his um, their spring game. And I'm there about to eat the little lunch that they have or dinner or whatever it was. And Louis Carr comes sit. He, he sits next to me and he just says, why? And I was like, what, what, what are you, why am I eating salad? Like, what, what are you talking about? Why? He's like, why, why didn't you come here? And I'm like, ah, oh, come on, let's let's not do this. Like, once Penn State, I've, I've been living in Detroit my whole life, so that's 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 y'all problem. I should ask you why. So, yeah. uh, but I just I just thought that was funny. But um, you know, going to Penn State and once they um, started recruiting me and everything and seeing, I wanted to get away from Michigan. It was nothing against Michigan or Michigan State. I just wanted to get away and. You know, if you wanted to come see me, you got to drive six hours, you know, to come see me in Pennsylvania. And so, uh, but everything worked out. Well, you could not, if you think about it, in terms of like the places, I don't think there are two more polar opposites in terms of, you know, where they are and their surroundings than yeah. Detroit. 
and Happy Valley, Pennsylvania, right? You, you couldn't have picked a more different place than Detroit. Oh, it took me a while to get used to, Trey. Like, I, it really is Happy Valley. I've never seen squirrels run up to you and all that. In, <laughs> in Detroit, the squirrels, is they're running away from you. You hardly even see them. You just, they're, they're, they're getting out the way. And then people were talking to me, like saying hello. You don't, you don't do that in Detroit. Like, you don't just yeah. walk up to somebody and say, what's up? Like, th- those are fighting words. And so it took <laughs> me a while to, to, like, you know, buy into the system. Like, everybody's like, hey, how you doing? And I'm like, what? I don't, I don't know you. It took me at least two years Shut to, up. like, I, yeah, I'm like, dude, I'm from Detroit. You don't just roll up on me saying, what's up? It was just, <laughs> it was awkward for me. But, you know, after a while, I started to understand and, and I got it. And I, and I bought into the program, and I was like, okay, it's, it's, it's just different here. Okay, but it took me a while. So you were pretty early selected by Penn State. Like you said, they offered you when you were a sophomore. When at Penn State did you think, I might be able to do this for a living? Oh, yeah. Uh, that's a great question. So <laughs> I had a great game. It's, this was the game after Adam Talaferro Yep. He, he went down at Ohio State. Yep. So the game after that in Purdue, I mean, there was tears in my eyes. I'm like, we got to win this game for Adam. And Drew Brees was there, and they had every, they were rolling. There was no way we were supposed to beat them. And our safety, his name was James Boyd, he predicted that we were going to win the game. And everybody was like, oh, this is bulletin board material. He was like, I don't care. We're going to win this game for Adam. I said it. And so I had a lights out game. I mean, the center, I, I, I forget who he was, but I had a great game. And so um, fast forward to the draft, I think the Steelers, they selected him in like the third round or something like that. So I was like, hmm, I know they saw the Penn State game. I know they saw it. And he went third round. I said, oh, man. I, I got to go first a second. So, Trey, I'm telling you, I cut everything that I that was not football-related or not school-related, I cut it off. And I said, yeah. I got to focus on getting to the league because it's, it's right there. It's right there for the taking. And um, I, I got focused, and I got drafted in the second round. Second round by San Francisco. And uh, you, you started dabbling when you were in San Francisco with what you do now. So when during your playing days, I mean, it was pretty early. Like you were doing video blogs and all that kind of stuff very early uh, yeah. in San Francisco. What, when did you have an inkling that, hmm, I might be able to do this after my playing days are done? I, I still didn't know because at yeah. that time for me, it was kind of like a hassle. Like I was like, oh my gosh, we got to do this show. I really don't feel like it. But when they hit record, I just, boom, the personality just came out. It was uh, myself and uh, one of the coaches who are here with the Bears now, Mike Adams, who I used to play with. He played for probably like 17 years or something like that. But we did this show called The Adams Report. And uh, it was just something that the, the, the media department saw in me. And saw him, Mike, and we're just like, we got to get these guys on the camera to, you know, do a weekly show or whatever. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is this is brutal. Like he just got done <laughs> with practice. 
we just lost to the Arizona Cardinals bad. Yeah. I don't feel like getting on the microphone. Nobody wants to hear me talk. Like, we just, we just lost. I just missed four tackles in this game. Nobody wants to hear what I got to say. But we ended up doing the show, and um, I guess it was somewhat successful. I mean, if, if Trey Wingo is talking about it, <laughs> and, you know, fast forward to now, and, you know, I, I've been doing it ever since. Well, listen, we'll get into more of that in just a minute. Why don't we take a break here? Because you started in San Francisco, but you sort of really made a name for yourself as a member of the Chicago Bears. And uh, let's talk about that transition and how that sort of become, you know, where you are now and how closely you're associated with football, besides all the other stuff that you're doing. So let's take a quick break here. With Spice Adams, uh, we'll come back on this uh, episode of Half Forgotten History. Stay with us. Hey, today's episode of Half Forgotten History is brought to you by Zelle. Zelle's a great way to send money to family or friends, no matter where they bank in the United States. I use Zelle. It's in my bank app, and I send money to my kids, even though they're in their mid-20s and they still want money from dad. Nobody's ever off the family plan. Trust me on this. With the holidays coming up, you can even discuss splitting the cost of a holiday dinner at a restaurant with friends and family or splitting the cost of a gift to send to your parents between all your siblings, simply sending the gift of money, which is also a good idea, uh, paying an individual craftsperson for a unique handmade gift or paying your friend back for your portion of the ice skate rental, ski vacation, whatever. You get the idea. Remember, money sent goes straight into the recipient's bank account, typically in minutes between enrolled users. And you don't have to download another app because it's probably in your banking app already, like it is in mine. So look for Zelle in your banking app today. All right, back with uh, Anthony Adams, or Spice, uh, as he's more commonly known now on this episode <laughs> of Half Forgotten History. So when did you realize that, it, that things weren't going to go the way you wanted to go in San Francisco? And how did you get to Chicago? Ah, oh, so, <laughs> oh, man. We got to talk about this. <laughs> yes, okay. we do. So going into my third year, uh, Dennis Erickson got fired. And so they hired Mike Nolan. And uh, he came in in probably like February or something like that. He had me at, in his office. And so I'm like, dang, why, why does he want me in his office? And so he's like, hey, there's some teams that are expressing interest in you. And I'm like, what? I'm like, am I about to get traded? Like, oh man, like I don't I don't know anything about getting traded with I like I I signed a four-year contract. And so I'm thinking I'm gonna at least be here four years before some things start shaking. And so I was just like, oh man. Like I, I called my agent after that, and he was like, I no one said anything to me or whatever. So I'm like, oh man, like I can get traded. So then they drafted um Isaac Sopoaga. And oh yeah. Isaac is He's massive. I think he did 225, like 40-something times. He was a I big mean, boy. I've seen him do 315 reverse grip, just playing around yeah. with it. And um, we get to OTAs, and um, I'm starting or whatever, and then they find out something is wrong with Isaac's back, and he's going to be out for the whole year. So now all of a sudden it's, they, they come around, hey, Anthony, how you doing, man? Everything's good? <laughs> Man, you, now people are talking to me all yeah. of a sudden. And uh, shout out to Coach Mike Nolan, though, man. He's, he's a great coach, great guy. Um, but then, uh, so I ended up starting all 16 games my third year, which this was one of my goals was to start all the games or whatever. And um, 
But then the next year, they moved me to defensive end and they're moving around. I see my playing time going down and this and that. So I had my I had boxes in my apartment by October. I mean, there were I, I saw it on the wall. By this time, I'm going yeah. to my fourth year in the league. I see people get released. I saw someone get traded um, during a game, during a preseason game. And so I've seen a lot and I know how the business goes. So by October, my apartment is just filled with U-Haul boxes. And so I, I saw the writing on the wall and um, you know, I, I'm a very loyal guy. So it was, it was hard for me to leave San Francisco, but I knew it was coming. But you had to feel good about where you were going, right? Because you you go to the Bears the year after they went to Super Bowl 41, and you know Devin Hester brought the ball back to start the game. They thought they were going to win, and I'm yeah. sure a lot of people thought, okay, the Bears are pretty good. They may be around for a while. So you had to be excited about that possibility, right? I had no idea, though. That's the thing. Like you know, 31 other teams, you know, I, I could go anywhere and. I remember my agent making it a point to come and see me. Joel Siegel, he has he has Mike Vick, he has like all these high profile athletes. He came to see me. He came up to San Francisco and we went out at like 10 o'clock or something like that. And then it got to 12 midnight. And he said, he 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 was being real with me. He said, Anthony, it's midnight. My phone hasn't rent, my phone hasn't rung about you. So this might be like a long free agent process for you. And so I had to come to grips that I wasn't going to be one of those first tier guys that were going to go in free agency. I wasn't right. even second tier. I didn't get onto the Bears until my anniversary of my wedding was March 25th. And so that's 25 agonizing days of just calling yeah. my agent every day like, hey, what happened today? What's going on today? I'm checking um, like all the reports to see who signed where. All my friends are calling me like, hey, man, you know, I just signed this three-year deal for a couple million, man. You're going to get yours? Yeah, it's, it's going to happen. <laughs> I had to wait 25 days, Trey. And then, you know, once I found out it was the Bears, I'm like, oh, cool. You know, they just went to the Super Bowl. We going back again. We went seven and nine that year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because I – there is this perception out there, and I, and I tried to do this with, with the draft every year, that you guys are just like products and not people. You know, like you guys mm. are just replaceable widgets. Oh, you know what? We a tight end retired. Plug tight end in here. Like, yep. how hard was it for twenty five days? You, you don't. You literally don't know if you've played your last game or you're going to have an opportunity to continue to do the thing you've done for 10, 15 years, going back to high school. Yeah, you, you make it hard on yourself because you're looking at people get signed three years for a 25 mil, four years for 50 mil. And then you then that's you start comparing and then that's when you, you mess yourself up. So you're like, OK, I came out in the draft with this guy. Yeah. Look at my stats compared to his. Like, how is he getting all of this money? And I haven't even got a call from anybody. So it's, it's, it's rough. And then you, you start messing up your head because you start thinking about, well, dang, if I would have had, you know, four more sacks, you know, I, I'm able to get this much money or I'm able to go to this team. Or how come? I felt like 
Will Smith when, you know, he was crying to Uncle Phil, like, how come nobody wants me, man? <laughs> My wife is like, you're going to run yourself crazy. I'm in front of a computer just double-clicking and triple-clicking the mouse, just like, oh, Pittsburgh signed this guy? Like, what? And you talk to all these different coaches, and they're like, oh, we'll have you on the team in a heartbeat. Well, like, listen, my heart has been beating. Like, what is going on? Like, come yeah. on, man. I'm sitting right here. I've been working out every day. Like, what's, what's the deal? All the coaches that, you know, that you talk to at the Senior Bowl or the Combine or come up to you after the game, it's like, where y'all at? I got the same – I had the same number since my sophomore year in college. Like, hello? Yeah, you don't, don't pretend like you don't know my digits. It's frustrating. It is very frustrating. I'm sure nothing has changed now. It's, it's the same stuff going on. So it took you a while, but you, I feel like you became like you were instantly sort of a part of the whole thing in Chicago, right? Like oh, you yeah. weren't. I fit right in. You know, I mean, like it, it seemed like the perfect fit for you, I guess, coming from the Midwest and Detroit. And you embraced the city and the team and the fans really embraced you like almost right away. It was seamless. It was seamless. I, I fit right in right away. Uh, everybody on the team. It was like the Chicago Bear way. Like we were going to have fun. But we were going to take care of business, especially the defense. Like, I mean, it's traditionally known for their defense. I mean, you're talking about Dick Buckus, uh, Mike Singletary, just a a lot of like Dan Hampton, like, you know, Richard Dent, who I was blessed enough to to wear the same number. I didn't even want to wear 95, but the equipment manager, Tony Medlin, was like, here, you got to wear this. Because at first I was supposed to have 73. And then he was like, <laughs> Tony Mellon, he talks with his eyes closed. He said, hey, dude, 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 yeah, here, I, I take care of you, dude. Here, here, here's 95. And you you got to wear 95. So he let me wear 95, man. And every time I would see Richard Dent at the game, I would say, hey, am I representing? He said, yeah, 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 you're doing good. You're doing good, man. So it was, it was great to have the, the vote of confidence from the, the former players as well as, you know, the fans here. The fans, like, I mean – we we playing the green team up north. I don't even yeah. want to say their names. The green Packers. team. Yeah, those Packers. guys. Those guys. You can say it. I'm not going to say it. Let, let's say it in relation to this then, okay? okay? Because obviously the year where everyone thought it was going to be back to the Super Bowl was <sighs> 2010, right? You guys get home field advantage for the for the NFC title game. Don't do this, Trey. I, I'm sorry. I'm gonna, it's I'm called Half Forgotten History. I'm going to get upset. I'm okay with that because I want the raw emotions here. You guys had to feel like this was all going to play out perfectly. And it was, I think it was at that point, it was only the second time in the <sighs> history of the greatest rivalry in, in football in terms of longevity and equality that the Bears and the green team from up north would play in the postseason. What were your expectations going into that game? I told myself the night before, I said, don't be that guy saying, if we would have did this, we would have won and we would have went to the Super Bowl. And here I am, Trey, being that guy. (laughs) Oh, man, we were just, if we would have went to the Super Bowl, oh, Trey, we, we would have beat the brakes off of the Steelers. We, the yeah. brakes. Man, Green Bay, I said it. Dang. The green oh, team up north. you said it. You just said it. The green team up north 
They just beat Atlanta in Atlanta. And yeah. not only did they beat them, they destroyed them. I mean, I think they put up like 48 points. It was like 48 to 20, something crazy. And this was the year Atlanta was supposed to do it. And so yeah. now all of a sudden we have home field advantage. What? It's right there. It is right there. And so I'm like, how great is this? We get to play at home and one of the storied rivalries in all of sports. It don't get yep. no bigger than that. And they come out in the first two series. They score two touchdowns. After that, nothing. I think yeah. Peppers hit Aaron Rodgers, and it was just like it was different then. Then Erlacher got an interception, which if I would have got a, a block on maybe – I think Rodgers tripped him up. If I'd have got a block on him, because that's how we think here in Chicago. Yeah. Like, we're thinking score, because we know our offense is not going to be able to do much. So we got to score, and then we got to make sure we score on special teams. So I was so tired, because I was just, I was so hyped, and I gave it my all on this one particular play, and I couldn't get a block on Rodgers, and, and I think it saved the touchdown. If we would have scored there, then maybe it goes to overtime and I don't know. But it was so close, yet so far yeah. away, man. And now I'm forced to talk about Todd Collins. Well, I was about to say, like, you talk about a hit on Aaron Rodgers. That's the Jay Cutler game in most people's minds, right? That was because that's like Twitter started in 2009. So this is the 2010 season. And this is when people were just throwing shit out there. Like, you know, they had no they had no regard for whether or not there was any truth. In it. And everybody was talking about, was he hurt? Was he really hurt? What's going on there? What were what was going through the Bears sideline when all that saga with Cutler and the injury was going down in that game? Well, we didn't care. I mean, we're on defense. So yeah. we we simplify everything when we're on defense. Everybody stay on their stay in their gap. Do what you're supposed to do. Don't do it, don't do somebody else's job. Do your job. And so we went in with the confidence of, hey, we don't care what our offense is doing. We can peanut can punch the ball out. We can get an interception. We could get a sack fumble. We got Julius Peppers. We got Tommy Harris. We got myself. So we kind of put it upon ourselves to like, hey, let's 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 win this game defensively. I I don't care who they put in at, at quarterback for us. We control our destiny. So that's kind of what our mindset was. But we just couldn't get it done. I mean, the defense. I mean, the offense wasn't scoring on us. They, they, they scored. They, they gave us their best shot in the first two series. Right. And then right. offensively, they were done. Like, we had them. So, but we couldn't get that turnover for us to score on defense. And so that kind of that changed the complexity of the game. Well, you know, I've said this a million times, and, and I don't think people believe me. So if you say it, maybe they'll believe you. Uh -oh. I think it's much worse to lose in the championship game than it is in the Super Bowl. Because if you lose in the Super Bowl, at least you can say, I was there. I yeah. had the opportunity. Now, we didn't cash it in, but I got there and I had the chance. And I think losing on Championship Sunday is the worst thing in the world because, like you said, you're this close, but you didn't give yourself that opportunity. Am I wrong? Yeah. 
Yeah, thanks for um, you know making me think <laughs> about that, in? Trey. I mean, that's 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 awesome, and also um, very inconsiderate of you. Um, yeah, it's it's it, and especially we were at home. Yeah, we we were at home, and so we're we're supposed to win that game. I mean, it was just like ah, we had just beat Seattle with Marshawn Lynch and everything. And then all of a sudden, everything started clicking for us, like for no reason. Like we got home field advantage. Are you kidding me? Wow. And so we just, we, we, we squandered it. We squandered, but I'm telling you, we would have beat Green Bay. There is no question in my mind that we would have beat the Steelers. No question, no question. You have to think that way. So now I feel bad for bringing that up. So here's what we're going to do. <laughs> no, you we're don't. Gonna take a, we're going to take a – no, I don't, but I'm pretending. We're going to take a <laughs> short break. We're going to let you compose yourself. Then we're going to talk about the things that have made you an international comedian and superstar uh, after your playing days are over. We're back with, uh, you know, the accurate comedian and former football player, Spice Adams, after this quick break on Half Forgotten History. This episode of Half Forgotten History is brought to you by Intuit the company powering products like TurboTax, QuickBooks, Mint, and Credit Karma. QuickBooks helps you manage your business all in one place from tracking everyday expenses to being ready for tax time. Boo! You can also send invoices, receive payments, run payroll, and track future cash flow right inside QuickBooks. It's as easy as some of the plays our guests on Half Forgotten History have made. I know that TurboTax Online is there to help. They connect you with live experts based on your unique tax situation, making it easy. And if you've got a lot of changes going on in your life, like I do, these proactive experts will get to know you and handle your unique situation, doing the work from start to finish to maximize your tax outcome. Even if you don't own a small business, Mint's budgeting tools and recommendations are there to help you save for whatever, like maybe going to play golf at some of the top courses in the country. Intuit works for what you work for, and whether that's a small business or just you as an individual, Intuit's innovative products make managing your finances and setting yourself or your business up for success simple. Discover how Intuit's innovative products can help you see what's possible at Intuit.com. Hey, whether you want to be a BMX champion or start your own business or just commit to being a van life influencer, as you should, a Mercedes-Benz Sprinter van makes it real. It's got innovative safety features like crosswind assist and blind spot assist. Plus, it's a Mercedes-Benz van so you can expect amazing performance and reliability. It's built so you can focus on what really matters to you, your dream. Head to your local Mercedes-Benz van dealership and get that Sprinter today. Back on Half Forgotten History, I, I feel bad. I brought Spice down talking about the NFC Championship game loss, but now I'm going to bring him up because, like I said, you're known on Wikipedia as an actor, comedian, and host more than a football player at this point. When did this start to take off for you? Because I remember following you on Twitter, and we had done a thing for Chicago Children's Hospital once in 2011, and mm. you sort of created these videos that got a lot of attention, and it really opened up a whole new industry for you. Yeah, everything kind of started as like a dare. I, I remember Chris Harris was always on Twitter. I mean, he would be in a corner somewhere talking and we'd be like, what, are, what is Chris doing? And we'll be in the lounge watching ESPN, and it'll say, hey, we're live talking with Chris Harris. And I'm like, what? This dude was just talking about a tweet and all that. I'm like, this social media stuff 
it is ridiculous. And so I'm just like, I'm just focused on football. Like, this is just easier for me. And so Chris Harris and Earl Bennett, all those guys who are real um, social media savvy, they say, hey, man, you're built for social media. And I just, I couldn't see it. I thought it was stupid. I'm like, you, you put together, you form a thought and you make it into a tweet and people judge you off of 120 characters. I was like, this is the dumbest thing I ever heard in my life. And so they're like, man, you are built for it. And so what they would do is they would take me coming into the weight room or coming into the training room and they would put it up on their page and they'll say, hey, man, look at all the interactions. Like, look how many people are talking about it, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, what? This is ridiculous. So then I started to do it. And then once I retired, I put together a video of uh, people were doing everything, like stuff big people say, stuff fat people say, stuff skinny people say. And I was like, nobody really has a sports angle to that. So I put out a video of uh, stuff NFL free agents say. And that kind of blew up and people started talking about it or whatever. So then, um, you know, I, I was talking to some of my teammates and I said, hey, should I put this video out? And they're like, yeah, you know, we see it every day in the locker room, but nobody else really gets a chance to see it. And so I put it out. And uh, before long, I, 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 no teams were calling me. And so I'm like, it's, it's getting late in the season at this point <laughs> because you started going through like all these different waves. Okay, training camp is over with now. Now you got to wait for somebody to get hurt. You know, God forbid somebody get hurt. Then they'll bring you in. That passed. That ship sailed. And so then they're like, okay, you got to wait till the first week of the season because da, 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 this happens, da, 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 da. They cutting down to 53. Yeah. That ship sailed. So then I'm dead in the sea. It's like October, November. It's like, man, I think I'm just going to retire. So I put together a video and I put it on YouTube and I hit return on YouTube to like for it to go out to the masses. By the time I hit return, ESPN assignment desk was like, hey, can we use this video? And I'm like, <laughs> uh, yeah, go ahead. And so... Uh, I'm sitting there in my office, just chilling, whatever. I get up, I go into my living room, and you, sir, Trey Wingo, is talking about the video that I just <laughs> uploaded not even 30 seconds ago. And I'm like, what is going on? And so I go back yeah, to I my office, that. I go to check my email on Yahoo. It is on the first page, it's the cover story. NFL free agent Anthony Adams is the greatest free agent in football of all time. And I'm like, what? What is going on? Like, it, it was just crazy. Everything was, like, blowing up, like, right in front of me in real time. But let me say you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> but little did I know that you were going to bring up 2010 again and make me go down yeah. this dark rabbit hole. But no, we're past that now. We're past that. So, okay, so yeah, now you, you, you have become a thing. And when did you? When did it come from, oh, it's cute and it's funny and everybody likes it, to, holy crap, I can make a living doing this? Well, I, I, I figured it out. It was like, you know, I was born the only child. You know, I wasn't going to have any brothers and sisters. And so I always wanted to entertain people. So they want to always come back over to my house. And so then I, you know, started getting bigger and I started playing football. So that was a form of entertainment. So once I was done, I was like, man, what am I going to do now? And so I just kind of gravitated towards entertaining. And it kind of just, it just found me. 
And uh, like I'm passionate about football, but I'm just as passionate, if not more, to entertaining people. I like people around me to have a good time. And so this was just a natural fit for me to do what I'm doing on social media. And it has also um, opened up opportunities for me to be on Ballers with The Rock, for yeah. me to be on episodes of Detroiters with Sam Richardson and, and, and Tim Robinson. It has afforded me to um, you know, meet a Kevin Hart and, and talk with him and, and you know, just all the cool things that, that come along with it. And, um, you know, now I have a podcast that I do weekly with Shaquille O'Neal and Nichelle Turner. And, you know, the show that I'm doing out here locally in Chicago, Inside the Bears, I've been doing for nine seasons. So um, everything has just been a blessing. And, um, you know, I don't take it lightly. And again, we, we, we talked about this actually before we started taping. It's so important for players to find their next thing. Because so many yeah. players, the career ends way before they expect it to. And you suddenly have a lot of free time and, you know, hopefully a lot of years left on this earth. Mm -hmm. So what advice would you give to people that were like you? You know, you played nine years. You had a, a good career. But it wasn't, you know, a superstar set me up for life with millions of dollars career. Right. You have to find something else, not only to fulfill or fill the days, but also fulfill that passion. What mm -hmm. message would you give to all the players who are going to be in the situation that you found yourself in? As, as tough as it is, I would say find something that you're passionate about other than football. And, you know, with, with football, the feeling was I'd be on a practice field sometime and I just... I'll just think like, wow, I was able to buy my mom a house and able to buy myself a house because I'm good at football. And it just feels like I'm getting paid for this. Like, this is crazy. I'm getting paid to do something that I love to do. And it, it doesn't feel like work. So if you can find something where that you get paid for and it doesn't feel like work, do that. Whatever it is. It, I don't know if it's singing. I don't know if it's playing an instrument. I don't know if it's being a choreographer. Like, I don't know. Whatever it is, find something that you're passionate about and be honest with yourself. Like, am I passionate about, um, you know, something that, you know, that you just go to a nine to five and, you know, you, you make money and you, you're getting a check or whatever, like, I don't know if you're really passionate about that. Like, but if you are, stick to that. Because I'm telling you, when you get on this other side, it is very, very hard. You don't have a set schedule. You don't have to be somewhere by 8 o'clock and get stretched and eat breakfast and go to meetings. You don't have that schedule. There's not going to be 80,000 fans screaming your name. You're not going to be able to run through a tunnel. You're never going to be able to get that again. So what are you going to do? You got to find something that you're passionate about. Because I'm telling you, it's, it's, it's not all peaches and cream on this side. Yeah, it's funny you say that. Because that, that thing about the schedule, I think I've heard that from more players when they retired than almost anything else. And I think a lot of people are like, why is that so important? And it's like, you don't understand. When you're mm -hmm. a football player, you are told when to sleep, when to eat what to eat, when to be here, when to be there. I remember Nick Hardwick, the, the center for the Chargers. Like, yeah. He had a huge problem with that. He's like, suddenly 
I didn't have to be anywhere to do anything, and it kind of freaked me out. I mean, that that is a common theme I hear from a lot of players on the other side of playing. Yeah, I, I don't have a problem with not being anywhere. I'm a homebody. I could stay in the house all day. I got everything here. You know, I can play video games. I got a grill. I could make some, some food. Like, I can do a lot of things here at my home. But it's just like, at some point, it's like, I got to do something. I can't just sit around this house every day. Like, I, somebody needs to tell me to do something. Or I need to just make up something where I have something to do from 8 to 9, 9 to 10, lunch, and then 1 to 2, something. It's, it's, it's very hard not to have that set schedule. And then a lot of times that's what you're thinking about when you go to sleep. You're like, oh, I need to set my alarm for six. Not like I'm just going to go to sleep and whatever time I wake up, I wake up. Like you have to have some type of schedule. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a tough thing to deal with. And a lot of people don't talk about it. But you, you feel it when you're actually in it. Like, so I remember when I was playing, I used to say, man, these former players, these old head players, they're always complaining about something. Like, pfft. now I'm the guy that's complaining about something. Like, <laughs> oh my gosh. It is, it is unreal. It is unreal. Like, you know, you talk about benefits and all this other type of stuff. When we had those meetings when I was a player, I used to be in the meetings like, whatever. Why yeah. do we have to don't be care. here? Why Jacob, do we have to care. be here? Yeah. Oh my gosh! Yeah, put a cigarette in. Like I don't care. Yeah. Like, but now it's it's really hitting home. Like I I understand now, and it's hard to get uh, players to kind of feel the same way we feel because they're not going through it. You know what I mean? You it, it's yeah. it hit different when it really affects you. And, and they don't figure that out until it hits. So yep. that, that's why like, I'm so proud of people like you, from my perspective, like Justin Tuck, who has is, is found a purpose. You know, these guys that find something beyond football that satisfies them and gets them energized. So, you know, uh, that's why I, I like watching you as a player and I love watching you evolve into the uh, all-around entertainer that you've become. And that's that's why we're going to stop it here and I won't even talk about how bad the Bears are in 2020. I've already brought you down <laughs> once. I don't want to do it again. Let's end on the high note, okay? We're going to end on the high note, how happy I am for you and the things you're accomplishing in your life. And I really appreciate you taking a few minutes with me today uh, to talk about it. Yeah, and make sure you watch The Great American Bacon Show because your boy is on there too. Why would I not? I mean, is the real issue. <laughs> and it has really been awesome to see Spice Adams' post-NFL career take off. Wish him continued success. Speaking of taking off, that's what happened to next week's guest. He took off a lot of weight, and his career as a media star has taken off as well. Longtime Browns offensive lineman Joe Thomas will join us next week. We'll see you then. This episode of Half Forgotten History is brought to you by Mercedes-Benz Sprinter Vans. <laughs> <laughs>